Hot Tub Beers is meant for entertainment purposes with a side of beer education. Each episode may contain offensive and off-color humor. Our intended audience is people 21 years of older who love beer and laughter. Welcome back to Hot Tub Beers. So, uh, sitting in the hot tub this morning, it is, it is New Year's Eve. This will not be released until well into the New Year, but it's New Year's Eve at 9 a.m. in the hot tub, and I just got done drinking my first Lone Star. So, is this like hot tub time machine? Like, are we speaking from the past to the future, or are we speaking in the future? I think we're from the past. From the past into the future. Okay. But I don't know that we have anything to offer the future. Do we have anything to offer the future? Possibly the question of who's the oldest craft brewery in Texas. Good call. Good call. <laughs> and, and you know what? We've got the perfect person in the hot tub to answer that, Mr. Jacob Baker. Uh, now, your evolution with hot tub beers has gone from Silver Eagle all the way up the ranks to uh, St. Arnold Red Brow, correct? Yeah. So I went from just a regular old beer geek to now I'm a, a beer geek that reps a, a certain brewery, a little, nice. little brewery here in Texas. Still holding your Cicerone. Still holding card. a Cicerone card, yeah. Hopefully, um, uh, I'm looking into the advanced Cicerone. Um, with, you know, 2021 and 2020, when it's COVID and everything, you have to kind of, there's different ways of testing and all that stuff. So I think they do like the, the testing either online now, and then you still have to go like sign up for a private session to go do the yeah. other stuff. It's, so it's really difficult. Like before, back in the day, you just dedicate a day or two, depending on what level you're testing for, at a facility somewhere. And it's like now, it's like, well, we can't have 45 people in a small room anymore, you know. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's something I'll be looking into in the, in the near future. Um, that's pretty, you know, you're the only Cicerone, certified Cicerone we've had in the hot tub. Are we sure? I don't, who else? Do you know anymore? I know a lot of Cicerones. I just can't remember who is all certified. I do have a question, though. Did you get your certified Cicerone in Florida? Yes. Do they dumb it down for you? Because you're from Florida. <laughs> no, it's all the same. It's all the oh, same. Okay. I and I actually, actually, to be fair, to be fair, I sorry, I've been watching a lot of Kenny. Uh, <laughs> shout out to my Kenny. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I got it back in 2015 when there was only three levels. Okay. Now back when four. it was still easy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so the past does have something to offer. Yeah. Here we go. So. The oldest craft brewery in Texas. That's the claim, St. Arnold. Tell us the 20, story. Tell 27 us. years, 1994. I mean, 1994. Yeah. Okay, but you were telling us that others make the claim as well. Yeah, you hear people talk about it. Um, I know uh, Roaring Sun's name gets it's brought up a lot. Um, I think the, the issue there is that they were under different corporation names and, and such, and then they stopped brewing. Um, they were just like RAR. And then uh, they went and got into the grains and all that stuff, and which is, I mean, shout out to Roaring Sons, who produces 97% of, like, grains to all American breweries. No so, shit. Yeah. True story. Road trip. Yeah. Road trip. Yeah. I was just talking to Daytona about that at the end of our episode. I really want to go to where they're, like, malting barley. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's there's going to be some summer road trips on the hot tub beer schedule yes. yeah, and think about it because like i'm sure you've you've done home brewing and all that stuff yes. when you order your grains and everything it's raw and sons yeah. to row you know so yeah, like most they, of it is you, you go into the store uh what's it, brew it yourself is where i always used to go that's what yeah on, uh, 
you know, in the in the woodlands. Right. And uh, yeah, he was always pulling from Ron and Son's bag. Yeah. That's that's who does most of it. Yeah. You know what? I just read an article. Uh, this was like two days ago. Uh, I forgot who wrote it. It wasn't Brewbound. It was um, boy. It's on craftbeer.com. But they're saying uh, craft malt is like the new pioneering of beer because we've done this huge exploration of hops, which obviously we're not going to stop that exploration of hops, but the timing and, and the way the malt is done really affects the beer. And so they're saying like, um, the fresher the malt, right? You get a fresh roast malt, you get a lot more different flavors than if you get the exact same malt eight to 12 months later, which is typical eight to 12 months. They do a lot of storing and all that stuff. It's got time to fully like let all those esters out and fully like, uh, breathe, but if you get it in early, you can get these really cool kind of unique flavors that you're only going to get one off because they are ever changing and they are different. But they're saying that there's going to be a huge rise of like the craft malt, like that real like like I want to know who's going to do the first fresh malted beer. You know what I mean? Like where's and I, I don't I mean people have done it, but yeah, who's going to brand it the fresh malt? The, the hardest part is like um, kind of like when fresh hops first came out. You know, right. like it's. It's what, a hard what, thing, what, you know. What, yeah, what region are you? Are you in the region where they're harvesting the hops? Because then the, you're most likely going to get it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, like I know back in the day, Terrapin used to have one called Fresh and Green. They would literally have them picked, overnighted, and then uh, shot out to them to oh, brew. Really? Like, and that that costs money. So they obviously stopped doing that because yeah. <laughs> it's so expensive. But like, you know what I mean? Like, if you have. Uh, same thing with like restaurants maybe food like if you don't have like that natural source of food uh, like you know what i mean fresh produce fresh whatever like it's kind of hard you know to have that that farm to table like right right off the backyard so i think that's what it's come down to but you're right i mean i think that is the next step uh there's only four ingredients in beer you know what i mean right and then you have a bunch of adjuncts obviously (laughs) but there's only four real ingredients yeah exactly um, so I think people are realizing, like, oh, we don't have to add all a bunch of this stuff. We can literally just get, like, different kind of malts and, and blend different malts to get different things and stuff like that. So well, I think that's the evolution in, in beer. I think you're correct about that. Yeah, for sure. that's where a lot of that stuff gets interesting because you talk about the big, like, old-school breweries like Canteon, uh, Dry Fontainen, or however oh, you yeah. pronounce that. Like, all of these giant souries and guzerias are, like, the whole thing is they use hops still. But they're using one to three year old hops. I mean, they're using some pretty aged hops. So you're not getting that same floral uh, flavor, but you're still having the uh, microbial effect of what the hop is. For sure. So For now, sure. you were saying what what year? Nineteen ninety what? Four. Nineteen ninety four. Okay. So the the big claim here is like this oldest craft brewery in Texas because they've been the most consistent craft brewery in Texas. It's been around that long. Right. That makes sense, right? Because we talk we talk with. Uh, Daytona Camps, which will be released probably the week before this one, um, about Cellus had started before St. Arnold's, but Miller Coors bought them out, that whole drama with selling them to Michigan and then overseas, and then now they finally bought the name back. But since the beginning, St. Arnold's has been in Houston producing beer since the beginning. I guess my uh, my argument, and this is the way I just try to dummy it down, is uh, – uh, Tim, you and, and J- Jake both have been in long relationships for a while. Not together, but, <laughs> but like, with, with your significant others. Well, well. <laughs> uh, so, like, so like, I guess if someone came up to you and was like, oh, yeah, you know, me and uh, basic girl number one. Becky. Yeah, Becky. <laughs> me and Becky, we dated for 10 years. Then it took five years we were separated. 
But now we've been together for another 10 years, so we're celebrating our 25th anniversary. That don't make Is no that sense. how that works? No, because you separated for five years, so now you're celebrating your 10-year anniversary. See what I'm saying? No, I, I exactly see what you're saying, and I, and I like that. And, and there's the, the point that I wanted to get to, and, and, and I'm glad we uh, you brought it there in a perfect way, is there's, there's something to be said for being that consistent and staying with it and sticking it out. Because especially in the 90s in craft beer in Texas, that wasn't an easy road to hoe, man. Like, that was, that was tough. The laws in Texas were different. Things were slowly changing, but and, and others jumped on the bandwagon as they were changing. When St. Arnold started in Houston, I think we were talking to uh, Josh uh, from Interbrews, and he was saying when he first got started on his podcast, there were five breweries in Houston, and now we're in the triple digits, correct? So, like, yeah. it's... Uh, no, we're not in the triple. No, it's we're a, close, yeah, but we're so not. I'd probably say, say 70 still. Yeah, We've 60, had a couple 70. of unfortunate closed down. You Maybe know, by but. the time this podcast airs. I, that's that's what I, when we were talking about you know Pat in the time machine. I, I think we should, at the end of this podcast, throw a couple predictions out. Ooh. Things that might be able to happen by the time this podcast comes out, and then we'll listen to it and we're like, dude, we called it. Yeah. We, we totally called yeah. it. Give it, give like a Simpsons exactly. Yes. <laughs> Simpsons in the hot tub. This is pretty good. Your Homer. Is, oh, you know what? Cheers to this because this th- that might need to be a new segment. There you go. So. As we've opened up from the oldest craft brewery in the state of Texas, St. Arnold's Brewing Company, we've got the Sabro Coconut. Sabro Coconut. Sabro Coconut. Yeah. I apologize. You're fine. Sabro Coconut Island, double dry hop with Sabro hops. So it's dry hop with Sabro, so I should get a lot of Sabro on the nose, correct? Yeah, so. And then, but in brewing this, uh, we've got Sabro Citra, Howertal Block, Howertal Herbs Rucker. And then uh, we're sitting at ABV of 7.7 and an IBU of 52. So not a very aggressive IPA at 52 IBU. But uh, tell us tell us about this beer. Yeah, so actually um, the first year we did it, uh, 2019 I want to say. Um, and I, when I first tried it, I was like, man, that's, that's, that's different. That's unique. But this year, this batch we caught came in and I was like, dude, I am loving this. It is, I mean, 7. What would we say, 7.7? Yes, sir. Yeah, like that's kind of high, you know, for a dry hop, double dry hop beer, uh, especially as most people like to keep it. And it is hazy, which is perfect for a hazy little day we have going on today. It is. Um, I love the nose of it. I love the, the taste of it. I've been crushing these. Like, it, to is me. Is this a third coast IPA? Oh, I yeah, think so. I feel like it what? is. There's a, there's a lot of coconut on the nose. Yeah. I'm assuming that's Sabro, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are no... There are no adjuncts. No adjuncts. No adjuncts. That's the beautiful thing I like every time people, when I do, like, uh, part of the job is, you know, go out there promoting the beer, sampling the beer out, etc. And, like, when you get beers like our Christmas ale, like this Supper Coconut Island, people are like, oh, man, what kind of coconuts do you use? Like, we didn't use any coconuts. <laughs> what the, kind of coconuts do you use? You what, know, I, I didn't know there was what different kind of types spices of did you use in your Christmas ale? It's like, coconuts. you know, like, no, we don't use spices in a Christmas ale. It's just the blend of five different malts, like you were speaking about earlier. Like, we just use the ingredients that the good Lord gave us. And that's... That's, that's, <laughs> that's really, really cool. And, and, and I love that. You know, and it, I think too often we see people just throwing shit beer in beer to make sure it tastes, you know, whatever way they want it. But there, there's a certain... We, we talk about craft beer... There's a craft in putting together the hops to make that pineapple flavor, that coconut flavor, without adding the pineapple and the coconut. The right. Christmas ale, there's a way to blend those malts without adding nutmeg and cinnamon and allspice and all that. And I think that 
that is that's true craft like that's that's really stinking cool that you right. can do that with those ingredients it kind of ties back in with what you're talking about with these malts and having the craft malt become the next big thing in beer maybe it should be christmas sale true is christmas you, sale the first craft malt beer no <laughs> you know what I, uh, I, I did an event with St. Arnold a few years ago I think we were working with Roy at the time but he grabbed us a sack of the Christmas Ale malt okay. like before it's brewed just the sack of malt with it's already blended I'm going to tell you what man it is it is a, an array of colors it is like super cool to actually have in your hands but to actually break them up and like try them like raw a phenomenal I think I think you know you should take this all the way up to the top all you should top. you you should see if they would where, where this for the grain they should, they, should, they should sell they should sell like five pound sacks of Christmas ale malt as like a homebrew kit and then yeah that'd be cool that'd like be skip cool. the extract be like this is for real real brewers yeah, only yeah and I think that that and even if you do like the small ones like you said like the small batch things I think it's it I mean nothing gets extract I mean it's quicker it's probably a little bit cleaner but like having the grains is to me it's always been like. It is. It makes you feel like you're actually brewing a beer. So, like, so that'd be kind of cool. Like, I started little take it to the how top. How do you do? Yeah. <laughs> a over Fifteen years ago, and and I started with extract, but like after two or three years of doing it, like I went straight all green, just because it it's a lot cleaner. I think that would be fun, though. I love that idea. Yeah. Like, like Brock. Yeah. Brock. Brock. Yeah. Maybe have like a little uh, little contest too. Be like, all right. Oh. Play with it, and then who who impresses me? Like, what, yeah. what, how what would you do with this beer? Like, here's what we use. You know, I did what would you do? Big batch contest. Did you? Yes. How'd you do? I, it had varied results. I think you, I think you, <laughs> I, I think you told me about this one <laughs> time. Yeah. This? yeah I Placement heard, was undisclosed. I made, I made a scotch. I made a scotch ale, and it was actually it was actually pretty good. I, I liked it. But a bunch of buddies and me got together and made it, and so we entered like three or four six packs from the same batch under three or four people different people's names you know <laughs> and one of them was like this beer is horrible this this is this is not a this is not the style at all the other one got like a hundred dollars for the best new brewer the other one <laughs> like it was all over the place of course that could have been me and bottling yeah you know and something got in the bottles and stuff yeah. like that but uh, we always laughed about that one and we got a we got a michael jackson brewing book that oh, nice! Yeah, nice. That's pretty cool. It was cool. For those of you guys who don't know, that's an actual brewing professional. Uh, he is not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the, the king of pop. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I had no idea who it was when I got the book and we brought it back. And Mandy's laughing at me like, "What? Michael Jackson doesn't drink craft beer." <laughs> this other guy that was like a super beer nerd, like he chastised us at the table. You don't know who that is. How are you brewing and entering homebrew contests if you don't know who Michael Jackson is? Like. I don't know. Cheers, buddy. <laughs> America. That's oh, how. America. <laughs> so the big question that's been on my mind, are we going to be able to get Brock Wagner in the hot tub? And if so, when? It's mm. a good question, right? So the, the the guy that owns and started the first craft brewery in Texas, uh, how involved is he on a day-to-day process? Like, do you see him running around the brewery? Is he still coming up with recipes? Or is he just the guy that's the face and enjoying life now? Well, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys probably saw some of the posts. Um, so he's he, he's not the brewmaster anymore. Okay. So there's been a promotion. There's a new brewmaster. So that one kind of takes over that. But, I mean, Brock's still there. And the, the funny thing about Brock is, like, he's, like, one of the nicest guys possible. And people are like, 
they go to the beer garden, they see this big, you know, like, and remind you guys, we're still an independent craft brewery, you know what I mean? We're not owned by anybody, it's still just Brock. But people see this big, you know, facility and they think, oh, wow, like, oh, this is probably like some kind of like Shark Tank millionaire and everything. And, and then the next thing you know, like, Brock's actually probably sitting right next to you at the beer garden on his laptop drinking a beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, it's uh, been super personal. But, uh, yeah, he's he's at, he's at the brewery, um, you know, and he's obviously part of, like, still the meetings and everything else. Um, um, but, yeah, he's almost like a unicorn. It's, it's really hard to get him in a spotting outside of, so, of the brewery. So, does he regularly do podcasts and hot dogs? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. That would be a big, 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 big win for you guys if you were okay. able to pull that off. <laughs> so, I've, I've known Brock for a long time, and I mean known by, like, very, very loosely. I've met him on and off for the last, geez, 20 years at least. Uh, I, I used to go, my parents would take me to the brewery back in, like, 1996, the old brewery off yeah. 290. I volunteered at St. Arnold for quite a while. My mother worked there for quite a while. Like, I've met Brock on a ton of occasions. He's super nice, super approachable, yet somehow intimidating. And it's like, Brock... How do you pull this off with your short shorts? Like, you have a Speedo picture on a calendar. Like, how are you so approachable yet intimidating all yeah. at the same time? But he's he's a really nice guy. He sounds like, so. like, from all accounts, like, I've never heard anybody, like, have a bad story about him. I think it'd be fun to get him in here and, and see, see, uh, see his take on things, right? Yeah. You talk about uh, approachable, but maybe a bit intimidating. This beer is super approachable. The nose brings you in, the flavors mm-hmm. are there, right? But towards the end, you, a, towards the end, I think you get a little bit of that seven point seven too. I, I you let it sit right. on your tongue for a little bit. I think you're right, but as far as like what I mean by intimidating is like this isn't this isn't a simple beer. No, it's not a simple beer. It's a, it's a well crafted beer. You got four different types of hops. You dry hop to bring the the flavor, the the aroma of the coconut forward. But you've done a really they, well, not you specifically, right. because you didn't brew it. But uh, <laughs> I'm not going to give you credit for brewing it, Jacob. Uh, but the but the the brewing process has done a good job of bringing the flavors out in the beer as well, right? Yeah. So what's on the nose is what's in the mouth. It's got a smooth, creamy mouthfeel. It, is it just barley that's in this beer? Say that one more time. Is it just barley that's in this beer? Or are there oats in there to kind of make it a little bit more hazy? A little, little, bit, little bit of flaked oats. That's what gives you your haziness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I uh, I like it because, so, like, a lot of times when people try to do, like, the island-themed beers, and you know, oh, they come out island very... Island boys. <laughs> <laughs> they come out very, very light, you know what I mean? Like, I, and I get it, like... That's, that kind of goes with like when you're you know when you're on a cruise vacation like you're allowed to drink a pina colada and a strawberry daiquiri you know yeah. what I mean you're allowed to have like those really fruity fruity you know island beers type thing but like at the same time like I still want a beer yeah. you know what I mean so um, no I, I've like I said I've been crushing these uh, usually when we're playing Halo stuff like that like I need that that go-go juice to kind of catch up to Jake <laughs> so. you will never catch up to me <laughs> so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go ahead and jump in the ratings on this for one. sure I'm gonna I'm going to jump in at uh, 3.67892. Uh, I, I really enjoy this beer. Uh, and, and I'm not a huge coconut fan, but is it, this would be something that I would go back to and pick up again. Just because I appreciate the flavors in it. And, and, and again, maybe I'm burnt out on hazies, but this is a hazy that doesn't overwhelm me, right? It doesn't fill up my mouth with yeast. It's, it's just nice, clean, good IPA. Yeah. What do you think, Jake? I enjoy it. 
<laughs> it's uh, man. It is relaxing on a, at 9 a.m. on a on a Friday morning. <laughs> I don't know if I would call it exactly a third coast yet, but I think it's pretty damn close. Okay, I, so what's keeping it? I would like to see some pine. You know, yeah, more pine. yeah. I like to see some pine with that coconut. Uh, I get very small. I mean, very very like small hints of guava and the kind of background in it. Uh, Man, something just set off, and like now I'm super sensitive to guava. Yeah. But it's like it's in the background, which is not bad. The coconut's definitely up front. Um, the color is beautiful. I mean, it's it's beautiful. Uh, did you rate yours? I did. Yeah. I want to go. I'm gonna go three point seven five. Man, this is a good beer. Nice. Uh, it's a little bit scary because it is seven point seven, and you could put back a lot of these without really kind of feeling it till it's too late yeah yeah but overall it's fantastic great color great great carbonation great flavor it's good yeah i'm actually like that was the number i had in my head it was it's 3.75 you can still uh, use it yeah i'm, 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 I'm gonna 3.75 you don't have to be a 10 oh, oh there it is you're tim there you yeah. go. <laughs> gotta have a little bit higher than yours uh no uh no it's like i said it's it's um a really great blend it uh it, it has the hints of coconut but but, and that's the thing that like, people are like, oh no, I'm not a fan of coconut because they're used to like coconut extract and stuff like that, and like, it's gonna be all waxy and, and they're like, nah, I'm good. But we don't actually use coconut in it, you know. And and that's the beautiful thing is like all these in- natural ingredients that we use in our beers can be used the right way. Um, and I, I love it. So like I said, I've been I've been crushing. I've probably done went through three six packs already since we released it. Nice. So, so yeah, and I still have some in the fridge. New Year's Eve, here we come. <laughs> nice. So, Jacob, thank you. I, I want to say thank you for coming in and hanging out with us at nine in the morning on New Year's Eve. Uh, I know that that might not always be the optimum time to drink a beer, but it's always the optimum time to get in the hot tub and drink a beer. That's so, right. And this is your first time in the hot tub as a rep of St. Arnold's. So this is uh, this is kind of cool. It's momentous. Jacob yeah. in a new role. So we're gonna come back with our next St. Arnold's beer from Jacob Baker, the Cicero. Hot tub beer fans, are you looking to buy, sell, or lease a home with or without a hot tub? Hugh Height, the Texas beer realtor, is who you need to call to help with all your real estate needs. Hugh knows hops and Hugh knows houses. That's txbeerrealtor.com or 281-939-8182. Putting your dog to sleep. Putting <laughs> little Betty to sleep. Little black Betty Bambalam. That dog is... Just loves attention. She's about a hundred years old. She she's yeah, she's she's a widow. Grandma Betty. Yeah, she's she's a widow. She's twelve years old. Uh, she used to be all black. Now she's she's white. She looks like a ghost. She's she's a nice dog though. Thank you, pup. All right, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> we got the French press next. So Jake is pulling out the French press. So. Jacob, I'm going to go ahead and pour this uh, pour this beer. This is a style that, that Jake has a uh, has a relationship with. It's Me? a good relationship. Yeah, this is an imperial porter. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I want I want to uh, want you to talk to us about the beer. I want you to talk to us about the style. Tell us what uh, tell us what we're drinking. 
Yeah, so this is, uh, I mean, it's morning time. A cup full of lies. Yeah, figure figure we had to, had to bring this in. Uh, Imperial Coffee Porter. Um, so we make it with, uh, we, we co-host. So this is one of the few beers we do have adjuncts. The adjunct is from uh, Houston's own Java Pura. They use their, we use their espresso blend coffee in this. Um, a lot of breweries use Java Pura. Is there like a specific reason? It's just, the, I think it's, you, you support the local. Like Java Pura is like one of those kind of big name local guys. You say there's a lot of local roasteries and Java Pura is pretty prominent. So I'm just. Maybe well, yeah. I mean, uh, well, yeah. Maybe I'm, they drink a lot of beer. And then you got to think of also they got to, you know, you don't want to go to like a, a small mom and pop's place. But hey, I need this much batch. You know, like, oh, crap. I don't, I can't make that much, you know, like. Yeah. So I'm sure that has a factor that plays into it as well. This is in Java space as well, correct? Yeah, it is. I believe so, yeah. And not to get too far off track, what what do you think the chances are of us getting them in the hot tub for a cupping? I think it'd be cool. Like, so here's my thing. <laughs> I, I look at coffee kind of like I look at the wine. I, I definitely appreciate it, but I don't consider myself an expert at all. Yes. You know, like I, I think you, I think I feel like you would have more in parts. Like so, I've done a lot of cuppings and a lot of like yeah, like everything I, involved, I find that yeah. stuff interesting, but I I'm not knowledgeable nor do I, nor have I tried to really retain the knowledge. Um, I I can tell you, I, like I could drink a coffee. Oh, this this whatever being used in this, it gives bitterness to it. This one gives more berryness. You know, like kind of like, like I said with the wine. I'm like, hey, this is a very grapey. You know, like so, <laughs> I'm not I'm not quite as articulate when. It, when it comes to those those two categories, as it went as the beer. <laughs> I just want to go ahead and say, um, you know, for you you saying that you have a lack of knowledge of wine, great beer. I mean, it's true. Nailed it. Nailed it. it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This, this tastes like grapes, yeah. Yeah, but like. But I mean, I, th- I think with coffee, the big thing is knowing that like everything you do with beer and wine and every food, it all relates to coffee. Coffee has more. Uh, what's the right way to put this? They, there's more uh, sensory chemicals, I think, in coffee than, mm. than beer. That makes sense. There's more points, and they could be so much more. So if you look at a coffee and you smell it, and you'd be like, wow, that smells of grapefruit and dandelions, you're not wrong. It probably does. You know, There's a lot more in-depth, and that's all it is, is separating all of those flavors. It's the same thing we do. And that's what makes doing coffee and beer so unique and cool is when you pair those together it's like you have so many more points of of smell and taste to work with yeah well you know what i think that's really cool about it because uh it's like that i think the so spindle tap they have uh i want to say the kid's name is adam it's not he's not a kid he's well younger than i am but so is everybody else uh (laughs) i believe his name is adam and i I can't believe that's correct or not but they have they have an in-house roastery now they make yes. their own coffee and everything else. Can and it was, have it on tap at this address? Yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's great. And like I was able to go back there and kind of watch. They had a smaller roaster, but then they get, now they got like a, a good size roastery. And I was like, wait a minute, like, these are coffee beans. And then like I'm like, oh, and now that he starts roasting on them and everything else, like yeah, you want to roast them to a certain level. Like, did you know what color coffee beans are? They got like a yeah, like a green, sometimes even like a little a pale. pale. Yeah. And then they roast them to get that color. Like I was like, I, I was like, man, these little brown guys just grow out of the grass. You know, like cool, whatever. <laughs> they show you the roasting machines. Yeah, they showed me the roasting machine. He kind of let me sit back there, and he's like, yeah. So we got you know, it turns and everything else, and like you kind of have to. He was saying like the specific, like you were saying like specific beans, kind of like with hops and everything. I was like the specific, uh, you know, things like 
have to be roasted at a certain temperature and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was just really cool. And it kind of reminds me of, like we were saying earlier, malts. Yeah. Yep. You know, exactly. It's the exact same thing. And so that's kind of like, and that's kind of what we do. You know, we, we pair it up with our uh, double roasted pill and our uh, chocolate, you know, malts that we use. And then we bring in the, their espresso blend. Um, and it, it just hits, I mean, right off the that, that's to me, that's coffee. Oh, yeah. Oh, it tastes yeah. like a cup of cold brew right off the nose. Yeah. So, it is uh, very full of the coffee, which is good. I, I dig it. Before we get too far, I think when we do a road trip to Austin, if Baker's interested, there is a coffee roastery right off. You know where 290 turns around in Brenham to keep going to Austin? Yeah. Right? There's a roastery just on the other side of that bin. It's uh, Independence uh, oh, Roasters. Yeah? Phenomenal coffee. I've been drinking them for years. I actually knew the family growing up. But they will take us back and show us their roasters, and they have massive roasters. They distribute all the way out to Pennsylvania. They have deals for every That's AGB awesome. and to see that on such a massive scale is a really freaking cool thing so I think we should stop in at a, uh, as a hot tub beer segment roll up see the see the roasters maybe maybe hit a few segments and then keep on going down to Salas and Fort Tap and Hop Squad well, there's, there's also one in Austin that I've kind of been interested in because like, I like breakfast we've been munching on some kolaches this morning there's this one called uh, I think it's Batch ATX have you seen this one so it's a craft brewery, mm. and they produce kolaches. Kolaches and beer. Kolaches and beer. Yeah, I have oh, seen yeah. that. Yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah. That sounds like a two-day trip. Although, although, yeah. if you, although our good friend at No Label, Jacob. Asbill. Asbill. Uh, he will fight until the day he dies about the kolaches. <laughs> so apparently what we're eating is not technically a kolache. No, they're not. But we've, we've made them. They are. <laughs> yeah. Kolaches have, uh, it's like a sweet fruit. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's like when you look at the, the evolution of words and the way things are. And like, it's just like, it. that is what a Texas kolache is. Well, it's savory. It's meat. It's Boris Remy. Our cultural attaché yeah. approves of our use of the word kolache. Yeah, yeah. So and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Yeah. As, as Bill just had a little small stint in Germany. Yeah. 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 Boris, Boris knows Jonas. Yeah. Boris was born. He wrote a book yeah. one time yeah. about Germany, and so he's very protective of it now. <laughs> as Bill, yeah. Well, he did. apparently he did like a year or two stint in Cologne. Yeah. But no, he's always wearing Cologne. So, uh, so. <laughs> I thought that was Cologne. Oh. <laughs> so... They put the you, you, you took the malts, you, you created this beer that you put the coffee in, right? It is an Imperial Porter. So tell me a little bit about this style Imperial Porter because we've been seeing it pop up every now and then. Uh, we have a episode with an Imperial Porter that, uh, that Jake had a conflicted relationship with. And I want to talk a little bit about that style because it, it seems to be popping up more and more and more. Maybe it's just because... We talked about it that one time, and now I'm seeing it everywhere. Like, you know, you buy a new Chevrolet, all of a sudden everybody's driving Chevrolets. That's the, I, I, maybe that's why. But this style seems to be popping up more and more. And I'll be honest, it, it fits really well with the coffee. So tell us about the style. Yeah, I mean, I guess the... Uh, uh, I guess the hard part is anytime you put Imperial in front of anything, like, what does that mean? Like, you have Imperial IPAs, Imperial Stouts, you know, I, I guarantee you somewhere someone's done an Imperial Hefeweizen, you know, like... They have. Yeah. Ooh, so. I've seen it. Who had that? Uh, oh, you know who it was? New Magnolia. That banana one that was an Imperial... Oh, yeah, it was called Double Banana. It was? Double yeah, banana. yeah, yeah. I've seen Double Wits, Double Berliners, 
oh, I guess Imperial. They all name them differently. Yeah. But like Imperial Berliner and actually I've seen a double Berliner as well, but it's all unique in its own well. Yeah. Wait. I've always thought about doing an Imperial Hefeweizen and call it a banana hammock. Ooh. Yeah. And then you can have like the tap handle be the Borat with the <laughs> swimsuit. The, the slingshot. Yeah. <laughs> They're nice. I can come up with the recipe. There you go. We're talking hot tempers. I mean, I think and we I'll should model have the our own slingshot. <laughs> I'll model the slingshot. There you go. <laughs> get you a nice little mustache kicked in. Yeah, I've been trying to get my picture on a, a can of beer, but instead I'll, I'll settle for a tap handle. There you go. <laughs> you got to stand in that position for a while. And I kick, and I grain the wood out just right. <laughs> I'll develop the recipe. You take it to Brock. Yeah. So this, but this, uh, <laughs> this beer is a uh, four point eight, or sorry, four eight in IBUs. Okay. So, and then you got a uh, 9.4 ABV. So, I mean, there's nice your Imperial shot. right there. For those of you listening in, he's not even looking at the can. This is how good of a rep this man is. Yeah. 9.4. Yeah, absolutely. Right on the nose. 48 IBU. Yeah. So, I want to know, does the coffee affect the IBU? Like, obviously, it affects the overall bitterness, yes. But the actual formula to discover what the IBU is, does it affect it? I don't, no, I don't think so. Um, I know we we do they do grained it uh, the beans down, it's not whole beans it's grained it down, um, so I don't believe so. I not, so are we are we nudging at the notion that IBU is kind of a bullshit system that we are following for no reason. Yeah, I mean it's it's the it's the standard. It's just I mean just like your RS your SRM, you know, it's just kind of the standard method. You know what I mean? Like we're not going to change calculations because it's outdated well, we well hold the on. rating system of beers just because we're better than everyone well yeah but <laughs> if you want to bring srm into this let's actually let's talk about it then because like srm is an actual measurement right it's not a mathematic formula it's a an actual measurement using a photo spectrometer right and so it it's actually a really fucking cool thing if you ever get into it look it up srm photo spectrometer but it's a measurement of what it is it's not a right. guesstimate you know well ibu is based off of the actual recipe itself so you're calculating from the recipe right you're not measuring inside the beer you know so the question is is, is it still relevant because perceived bitterness and ibu are different is i is think it's uh i think that that part is kind of hard because it, it's just uh it's not the only thing that's hard <laughs> it's one of those things like it's just it's like you know uh, anything anytime you're measuring something that is perceived through taste or smell or whatever it may be like that's just like because each of us are going to be different you know what I mean just like just like same way when you well, I mean we're Texans we love our jalapenos right yep Scoville units like that one is the same thing like that one is it's kind of perceived off of what should be the output but at the same time I'm sure you've had some hot sauces that have a higher scoville unit, but actually weren't quite as hot as the other ones. Correct. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of like the, that's what you're saying. It's the fault. It's like, how accurate are these? And it's really hard. I think that's, unless someone comes up with a, a, another way of actually testing it, this is the closest we'll ever get to it. It's just by the formulation of what we're putting in it. And this is, well, I, think I guess our guy. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good guide. If you you got to go into that with the understanding that it's not going to be exact, right? So I've got an IPA with 90 IBUs. Okay, but is it a double? Does it have a stronger backbone? Right. Like, it, it's it's not going to... If it's a single and it has 90 IBUs, it's going to be, to me, a whole lot more hot forward, a whole lot more bitter on the tongue 
But if it's a double and it's got 90, there's a lot more malt to balance it out. And so it, it tastes a little bit different. It doesn't hit you as face hard, uh, in the face as hard with the bitterness. I think it's a very good guide. But to your point, Jake, I agree. I think it's 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 inexact. And I think Scoville units is a great way. I mean, how many times have you had two two uh, jalapenos from the same you know vine have two different levels of heat to yeah. it? Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it, it comes out different ways. But... It gives me an idea. I know I'm going into that jalapeno, not thinking I'm going to be eating it like a bell pepper, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. And I go. I know I'm going into that IPA, knowing it's not going to taste like a lager. Uh, it's not going to have the same hot profile. And that that in there, there therein lies the helpfulness of the IBU system. Yeah. Not as an exact science. If there's any IBUologists out there, you're dumb. IBUologist, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I guess my biggest thing is is working with a lot of people that are new to beer and new to understanding beer. A lot of people get very hung up on the IBUs, and I mean very hung up, yes. where they're very like somebody's, you know, oh, this beer doesn't have an IBU on it. Does that mean it has none? Well, no, it does. But like at the end of the day, if you're looking for a beer on a list of fifty eight of them. IBU is not really the direction you should be looking. You know right. what I mean? I feel like it's it's without a doubt a moot point. You know, and so the question is: is why is the IBU still so significant when the majority of the beer buyers, the people who actually the consumers, yeah. uh, don't truly understand the whole scope of an IBU? Well, it's because we love we love data and we love absolutes. So, right? is there an IBU lobbyist that's making this? Ooh. Is that was that where know. this is coming from? He's probably as smart as the IBUologist. I think some yeah. people just like to categorize things too. Like we've yeah, we've absolutely. become a culture of categorizing, and so that's what that that just kind of helps people categorize things. Oh well, this is you know this is this and this yeah. is this. Whereas like like you like, like I said like for just the pure beer drinkers, I can go and get three to five sixty IBU beers. And I guarantee you they're going to be a different experience yes. every time. Yes, absolutely. So what you've learned here today, people, is IBUs is not exact. It is still all perspective. Um, well, just, it is exact. It just, it, doesn't, it just doesn't refer to the flavor as much right. as you think. Yeah. Well, and, and just like anything else, if I start into, if I start down a certain avenue and I start getting the variables and I start learning about whatever it is that I'm learning about, there the, the variables there that are in that subject that I'm learning about are going to hold different weight at the beginning then they will when I'm more knowledgeable of that subject. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so maybe it's the job of the Cicerone to educate and say, like, hey, this is a great guy to get you into IBUs, but understand this is not an absolute that this IBU is a guide to get you down this path of, of beer tasting. Yeah, I think what people need to realize. So here's my thing. The best way that I translate it to people, like, this is science, not math. And what okay. I mean by that. Like math, and this is why I like math, because math is math is math. There's only one answer. You know what right. I mean? With science, and this is why I hated science, no offense to all my science instructors back in the day, but it's like, all right, you do this, you do this, you formulate it, this is your answer. It's like, oh, but you forgot, there's an exception to the rule. I'm like, well, then it's not a freaking rule, is it? Okay? <laughs> yeah. So that, well. that's, but that's science, because there's yeah. always variables and everything else, and so... I just feel like IBUs is like it registers with the same people that you're on a beer tour with, and I know this has happened to every single one of you, yeah. right? You're on a beer tour, and there's one home brewer that wants to interrupt the whole tour to ask, "Well, what was the original gravity of this beer?" First of all, your tour guide most likely won't 
know that answer. Second of all, nobody really fucking cares. Third of all, you're not going to be able to replicate or learn anything from that. Right. Yeah. That's how I feel about it's IBUs. Just odd flex for somebody who's new to yeah. Everybody. Oh, you found a word. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's this, I'm sure you drive a, uh, a Camaro too with the top down right now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you're that guy. Okay, cool. <laughs> or a Mustang. <laughs> well, no, I, wants to tell me what a what a Oktoberfest beer truly is. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, so, uh, you also I mean, the same thing with ABVs. <laughs> you know, by law, the ABV could be different, higher or lower than what's on the can or bottle. Yeah, by a certain okay. percentage because it's that then flexible. It's yeah, exactly. So. Texas really drives down the point on that one. You have to be within point two. Yeah. So you you can there's not much flex, it. but. So this could be nine point six, or it could be nine point two. Could be true. Well, so this okay, so <laughs> imperial porter. If, I, if I'm looking at an imperial porter, right? Typically, a porter is going to be a sub five percent beer. It'll be that mid range ABV, yeah. Okay. So, but we've got an imperial porter, which is why we're saying it's jacked up now. Jacob, what's the difference between an imperial porter and a stout? Mmm, that's a million dollar question, it isn't is a million it? Dollar question. <laughs> what's I the don't difference know that between it holds any relevance whatsoever? And honestly, when you when, when you look at it, what's the difference between a porter and a stout in general? Uh, a stout is a stout porter. That's the less the their origins. I mean, it was a porter, and then a stout was just a stout porter. They just ah, dropped okay. porter off of it. Exactly. So um, th- those two guys are so inter- intertwined. Um, people are all sometimes like, oh well. Your stouts are going to be more coffee than the porters will. It's like, well, what about a coffee porter? Yeah. Like, oh, uh, well, so like, there, there's a bunch of fine gray lines, um, and who knows? You know, uh, uh, f- somehow French press has yet to win an award. Maybe we need to enter this into a stout category and see what happens. So I, That's I, what I, it is. I, well, see, I don't know. <laughs> like, here's, here's the difference. Here. So, drinking an imperial porter versus a stout. To me, in my experience, my very limited experience, right, the Imperial Porter has a lighter mouthfeel. It's got a lighter body. Yeah. So, and and, and 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 I think that's kind of where we you know, we're able to find the ground on this one. The carbonation on this one, it's like very like you still have that tannin-like on your tongue from the coffee. Yeah. However, it's a clean finish. You get that nice sparkly carbonated finish. Whereas, if you think of like. I don't even want to use the word Guinness, but like uh, maybe a, a, a nitrogen stout. You know, it's kind of very creamier on your. Like we have a very creamy, pillowy head on this beer, but we don't have like that flavor on your tongue. Yeah, it's a very carbonated finish, so that when you get ready for your next sip of espresso, you can have it. It is, yeah. So it, I think that, really nice and that, that yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it was. You guys got me here at nine o'clock in the freaking morning. It's my day off, though. For one who is listening, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, just cheers making sure. <laughs> yeah, leave me out of that one. Thanks, yeah. guys. You're welcome. So compassionate. Can't wait to go home and play Halo without you. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who, who's gonna hold the team then? I will say one of my biggest things with with uh, not having Imperial Porters is um, Andy Benton. I, I if if Andy. if I lose this battle. Just know this battle was mainly over having something over Andy Bitten that I could gripe at him at. So <laughs> before I give this up, I need something to gripe at him about. So you're welcome to jump in anytime and give me something to gripe. Oh, you know, he did uh, cancel two parties with me uh, last month. So I could gripe about that, but there's not enough ground to stand on. Uh, so 
As long as Andy Benton's in the picture, Imperial Porters don't exist. Andy, get in the hot tub, Andy. Yeah, he's he's he said he's going to jump in the hot tub how many times? Four or five times? 15, 20, I'm 25? I'm working on him just because I like Andy. Oh, I love Andy. Oh, Andy's the best. But I'm never going to miss an opportunity to make fun of him either. Yeah. Science. There's, other, there's some people that I'm not going to beg to be in the hot tub. Andy, Andy and Mike keep working on him. Yeah. I like that guy. So this beer, we're, we're probably about, what, 9, 9.30, 9.40 in the morning now. Jake, tell me your rating. How is French Press hitting you? I think the fact that it's morning is why I'm going to rate this as high as I am. Uh, it's never been a bad beer, that's for sure. It's 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 a good beer. It's just not really my mo. It's not really my my go to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got beautiful color. It comes in like um, really I don't even know the right way to say this. It comes in like a good like um, gosh, like this cognac look to it with like a deep dark hazy like um, yeah. And so like the really funny thing about I'm going to cut you off real quick, but the really funny please. thing is like when we label it in there, it's like we say it's a dark brown slash black. When we first poured this thing, I was like, man, that's black. But you know, like the carbonating is going through it and it's going to get all into that nice little light, kind of like pecan tan head. And now, like as you're swirling out and the light's kind of hitting it, it's kind of more of a darker brown. Like it's it's not like you can see through it, you know. So, well, you know that that's kind of what I was I've been looking at. It's like it, it the the color. If you ever had like a cotahuil, it's it's exactly mm. like that. It's got like this espresso and like brandy kind of look. Like if you were to put the two together, I mean, it's a gorgeous color. It coats the glass. I mean, it's fantastic. It is. It, the coffee is forward without being overwhelming it's not overly bitter it hasn't turned into that stale coffee flavor um it definitely drinks less than you said 9.4 yeah it drinks less than 9.4 or 9.6 or 9.2 <laughs> you know I'm, I'm just gonna go straight forward it's uh 3.812 nice because 69 420 <laughs> uh <laughs> it's uh it's good very good. I recommend at least uh, trying it. I think if I had this late at night, I'd probably be less for it, but my taste buds are burnt out at night, so who cares? No, I, I, and I'm going to agree with you there on the morning. Like that, that was a really great idea to bring that in the morning, especially for this morning deal. We've had, uh, we've never had the original French press on the show. Uh, we have had uh, French press cognac, French press bourbon barrel. Uh, and so, as far as rating this one goes, I, I'm, I'm going to go 3 9 repeating. Uh, I, I think it is one of those beers that I love sitting in the hot tub with. Uh, one of those mornings where I'm just going to get up and turn on the hot tub, go back to sleep, wake up when I want to wake up, get out here, and that's my cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah. Um, is to come out here and have that and just kind of relax and then, you know, go back in, take a nap, or start my day either one. Um, obviously, when I don't have to go to work. But um, <laughs> that's a, it, it's a really, really nice, full-flavored, full-body beer that doesn't overwhelm it doesn't sit heavy like it, it doesn't fill me up like a stout like it is just kind of light clean crisp ready to go yeah so follow-up question uh if it's not a 4.0 what would give it that 0.1 repeating oh, that barrel aged barrel aged is, that's what it is you just want more oak and bourbon i want more oak more bourbon that's that that i i like i i still I still have a couple of bottles of that saved from, from last year. Just, I like that coffee and that little bit of alcohol burn mm. 
that's just, yeah. it just sits well. That's one of those beers, uh, and of course I'm a fan of uh, barrel-aged beers, but some of those that, that have that good barrel-aged flavor that you just kind of let sit on your tongue yeah. and just kind of enjoy it and soak it in and then move on to the next So you're step. saying you would start your day with a French press and then end it with a bourbon barrel-aged French yeah, press. That'd be that, so. yeah. that sounds exactly. like a 4.0 to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, for for me, uh, yeah, like I said, this, this is actually a great. Like, I, this is our second beer, and yeah, well, third if we consider our uh, Lone Star. But um, uh, yeah, nine point four. But it, like, it's super smooth. Like, I don't feel like we've you know are out here doing you know anything crazy. We're not having a. But like, it was a very refreshing beer. I'm not, so once again, I'm not a coffee person. Like per se, yeah. uh, normally I throw a bunch of creamer in mine, and some people probably hate me for that. Um, so there, to me, the coffee comes out a little bit more bitter because it is the espresso blend, you yeah. know. So it's got that, but I still think it's, I, I still think it's very drinkable. I put it about three point seven 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 because I bought some Powerball tickets and I want to win Saturday. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to do there. Uh, but no, I agree. Like to me, uh, I have an old saying. Uh, I put it on one plaque at World of Beer back in the day. When you got 250 beers at World of Beer. You used to get a plaque on the wall. Yeah. And my saying was, a uh, perfect day is one that begins and ends with a beer. So nice. that's your beginner beer right there, people. You don't have to feel guilty about it. Crack it open. Enjoy it. Enjoy it with some friends. Or do feel guilty. Or who's feel who's guilty? us to tell you how to yeah. live your life? Yeah, then then you yeah, should yeah, do yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I was gonna, I was gonna follow up, but like if you like run a daycare, don't. But then again, like I don't think I could without a beer. So yeah. okay, start your day off with a beer. <laughs> yeah, how about that? There you go. There you go. Because then we, then we can. Oh, we implied day off. <laughs> yes, correct, correct. Thank you, Jacob, again for bringing this French press. Uh, but let that stick with you. Let that be the moral of this segment, guys. Uh, never feel guilty about starting your day off with a beer. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment with the St. Arnold's finale. Are you looking for a house with a hot tub so you can be just like us? If so, you need to call Hugh Hype, the Texas beer realtor. He's a craft beer fan looking to help out his fellow hopheads any way he can with their real estate needs. That's Hugh Height, TXBeerRealtor.com or 281-939-8182. Welcome back to Hot Tub Beers. Where Jacob doesn't know how to open a bottle. Ooh. Ooh what does that say? So Jacob just make beer, not war. That's right. Yes, sir. Was it drop acid, not bombs? You could. <laughs> Welcome to Hot Tubs. This is an experience. Hot Tub Experience. <laughs> I like that. Uh, you know we had a request to make Tubby Bunny shirts. <laughs> what does that entail? I, I think just putting the logo on the chest, like on, the, like on a pocket. Like a faux So pocket, is the bunny going to be actually Tubby, or is it just going to be a bunny? Oh, no, no, no. I, I think I we should get a picture of just like Tim's mid-frame. And put that on a shirt, like you know, I like to have like the when you go to like a beach, like in Florida, oh. they have like <laughs> the bikini. <coughs> Sorry, the bikini shirts. Yeah, <laughs> do that, and on the back say like, "Tell me, bunny." <laughs> so, Cat put up a, a picture on Facebook uh, yesterday that was her in lingerie. What if we did like a like an animated cartoon of that on the pocket? An animated cartoon. And <laughs> lingerie. Oh my gosh. Um, it's possible. I think, <laughs> I think Kat would really like that idea. 
I think that idea is a great idea in theory. In theory. <laughs> Cat, I love you. So we're pouring now. We're, we're staying on the French press theme here. Okay. Uh, but we have gone to the French press 2020 cognac barrel. What's the ABV? On the last day of 2021. Yeah. We're drinking the 2020 uh, ABV. Let's look at the ABV. 9.3. 9.3. It so is. a little bit less. It than loses a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So why, why would it go down a little bit if you're aging it in evaporation? So uh, the cool thing about this one is um, not only are we taking, you'll see this a lot. You'll see people, and we do it too, you, you brew beer, and then you put it in different barrels. And that's the only thing you do different, is you just put the same beer in different barrels to okay. get different flavors. We took it a step further, uh, because much like I'm sure Jake and, and uh, a lot of other people around town, we have quite a few coffee geeks in-house. Uh, so what we did is we used Java Pura's different blend per barrel. Ooh. So the French press uses the espresso blend. Uh, the bourbon barrel age uses a different blend. And then this one used, I want to say it's called uh, uh, Geisha. Does that sound right? G-E-I. I have no idea. It's something like it's called Geisha Coffee. Okay. And um, what it is, it's going to entail more berry, more fruity. Oh, that would no. make sense pairing it with a cognac. Exactly. I like that. So it's kind of, it's, what it's doing there, it's kind of like that... Um, you have our beer, you have the cognac, and you have that, that kind of like middle ground. People are like, let me introduce you guys. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of like the, the idea behind it. So it's a different coffee. So it's a different experience altogether. Um, and it then, really of course, then of course you get yourself your, uh, your barrel aids. And this is a 2020, so it's been sitting for a year. I always find that like, so people are like, wait a minute, you hold a beer for a year? It's like, yeah, some beers yeah. Are, are kind of sometimes come out. In some perspective, better that way. But it's not also. It's also not a, like an exact science. Like sometimes, like you put it in the barrel, and you have to let it tell you when it's ready. You know what I mean? Like we can have a proposed. We want to leave it for you know 221 days. But if you pull a sample at 221, and you're like, oh shit, this is either been too long or not long enough. You kind of you're stuck there. Kind of you have to test it. You can't just pick a day and and say that's going to work. Right. And, and- but that goes into the art of what we're drinking here, right? Like, I, I think that's that's the fun of us, I, I, or fun of fun of this, and fun of drinking craft beer, and 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 going, you know, on this journey that we're we're going, you know, wherever it started for all of us, it started somewhere because we enjoy drinking a beer. You know, nobody goes, man, I really like hops. I wonder what I could do with them. Um, that that's not where my beer journey started. I don't know anybody whose beer journey started. You started with loving the art of what you were drinking, right? What it tasted like, and then you started going, "Well, why does it taste like that?" And then going backwards, right? Which, with you know, every pursuit of mine that that I really enjoyed, be it you know running or literature, you appreciate that race, you appreciate that work of art of what it is. Then you figure out, all right, why was that so good? How did it get there? You appreciate that, you know, that work of literature. That's a beautiful piece of literature. It's beautiful. What was his inspirations? How did he get there? I think that's where this beer is. You, this is a beautiful work of art, and it's fun to go back and pick it apart, right? That's the fun of this podcast. You take this piece of art, you go back and you pick it apart, and that's really cool. I, I, didn't, I didn't know this at all, but the different roast of coffee mm-hmm. that fits better with the cognac barrel 
than the espresso that was in the original French press. Right. And say, like, and I, I can't, I can't remember the blend. I apologize for the bourbon barrel. You should apologize. It's, but it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be, gonna be like the, like it's gonna bring out the vanilla notes and then the oaks of the of bourbon barrel and stuff like that too. So, because correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not huge on distilled spirits, but cognac is gonna be a brandy. Correct. Right? So yes. brandy is gonna have more fruit flavors. The, yeah. Right. So if you got a coffee that has more of those berry flavors, all that stuff, like that's, that's nice. Yeah. No, and I, I think, uh, like I said, that just kind of makes it, it, the cool and the scientific part. You know what I mean? It's like when we're kids, you're like, oh, well, it's like, you know, you made the lava, and you're like, oh, or like, you know, when Bill Nye, I don't know if he's still, is he still doing shows now anymore? Yeah, he does. does he? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he got me excited about, you know, like, he's like, so you do this and you do that, and then watch what happens. Oh, it's, you know, like. Science. Yeah, exactly. Like, to me, like, that's kind of like. When people were say, "Oh man, I kind of want to brew a beer," I was like, "Well, before you go spending a bunch of money, like, do you want to come brew with me once, or do you want to?" Because it's not necessarily the most exciting thing to do. I'm sorry, home brewing is not like you're literally watching water boil. Yeah, for the most part. Which, of- by the way, scientifically, if you stare at it, it does boil faster. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but I think but that this is this is really the fun part. Is like kind of like end. the yeah the. the Creating it together and then the ending part. I'm like, okay, now, oh, see, not this. I taste this more. Maybe next time we do this, you know. Correct. Like, that's, yeah. that, to me, that, think, that's the. I think, the, I think you, you got to get home brewing and all that becomes boring when you don't really know what, you don't really enjoy the end product as much. Right. right. It's like, when, when you enjoy the end product, the, the brewing part becomes exciting. Cutting open that package of hops before you dump them in and, like, sticking your nose in the middle of all that. You know, smelling the the wort, getting a taste of the wort with all the sugars before you're boiling it right. for fermentation. All those parts are really are interesting to me to see the different phases that it goes through before it becomes that finished product that's in your glass. Right. Like, and so we see a lot of barrel aged beers on the market, um, but we don't see cognac barrels very often. What was the motivation behind that? Do you know? I think it just comes down to having an array of different things. So that's the beautiful thing about St. Arnold's and our leader Brock Wagner is like he's been our doing leader. it. <laughs> our leader. He's well. He's been doing this. I say he's our leader because he is. I mean, to me, like he Most just supreme kept... leader. <laughs> Zoltan. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But like, I mean, think about this. Like. Starting back in 94, there were definitely some highs. There's been definitely some lows, if you ever follow the, the actual story of everything. But, like, he still, like, is a beer geek at heart. Yeah. You know, and like, he still wants to experiment. Well, we have cognac barrels. We have wine barrels. You could just go out there and, uh, like, I know I, I know a brewery back in Orlando that they opened up, and they just like, nah, we just need barrels. We don't care. Let's just sign a contract. And they got a bunch of uh, Jack Daniels barrels. So they didn't care. Like, as long as we have barrels, that's all people care about. Right. It's like, yeah, but have fun with it like if you're not having fun with it then what's the really point of it all so I think that's what it kind of came down to and plus like you were, we were speaking of earlier like do you want to have one style of barrel that's only going to impart one flavor or would you like to have several different style of barrels to kind of be able to do these kind of things if we only had bourbon barrels we wouldn't be able to do this correct so I think that's really what it comes down to is you have to you have to kind of 
see the future of where you're going to go. And you can either go down a narrow, narrow road or you can have Texas highways, which gives you a lot of avenues to go through, you know. So, I lost my train of thought. It happens. What else you lose? <laughs> Your marbles? Might be my marbles. But yeah, so I think that's what it comes down to. And that's fine. I've seen people, a lot of people as well, instead of just doing bourbon, they'll have like rum barrels. You know, you'll see that a lot of times. Or, um, or people will sign up these cool, really cool things where it's like, hey, we'll give you our whiskey barrels. You put your beer in it. Make a couple batches in it and make it really good. Yeah. And then give us back to it. And we're going to put our whiskey back into it. And now that whiskey is going to impart the flavor of your beers, you know, like. Yes. So like it's really just you're really cool like and plus you're using the barrels to its limits, you know, um, as opposed to just doing like a one burn turn, one burn turn type thing, yeah. which is good for good whiskey. I'm not saying it's not like I've you know fresh, fresh barrels are always good, but I think that's the that's what it comes down to is having options. It allows you more avenues to try different things. You know, you don't want to be a one trick pony. No, you don't want to be a one trick pony. Oh, and this is what I was getting to as well. That's where my train of thought went awry. So you, you changed the roast of coffee for the cognac barrel. Did you change the roast of coffee for the bourbon barrel? Yes. And like I said, I couldn't remember which one it was, but I do remember that the blend, the coffee blend, Colin's going to kill me for not knowing this, uh, the coffee blend was <laughs> was picked because of like the... The, the oak and the, uh, the vanilla that you would normally get off of okay. a bourbon barrel. Oh, a nice bourbon. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's kind of cool. That's some... Um, uh, <clears throat> and for those of you guys out there, I think it was... I'm pretty sure... I do know <laughs> it was Buffalo Trace Barrels this year. So if you get a Ooh. 2021, just know that's what your, your barrel aged in. Oh, nice. What was 2020? Uh, I want to say... Oh, no, that 2019 was Whistle Pig. Oh, maybe it was 2020, actually. I don't know. I wasn't there then. <laughs> can't, ar- can't, can't, yeah. can't archive me on that I'm pretty sure uh, either 2019 or 2020 was Whistlepick though but the thing is like some so we do a, a broker system which means we just get the barrels from a broker and like so they're not we, that's why we don't put it on the labels etc we can tell you what it is but we can't label it and be like hey we we're sponsored by Nike type thing you know so so I like that we're going into this this year was this barrel, this year was this barrel. We're on the last day of 2021. Sure. When this, we're going to be almost a month into 2022 when this episode is released. What is going to happen? I want to make some predictions. Now, this was a Jacob Baker idea. Mm. I like this idea. So, Hot Tub Beer's predictions... Let's let's see into the future of beer. What's what's going to happen? Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll take this one. <laughs> I think by 2023, a major brewery, right? And I'm going to say major brewery fairly loosely. Let's say like 30,000 barrels and up, right? Uh-huh. A major brewery is going to release a fresh malt beer, which is kind of a big deal because that's that's a hard batch to so do. Within the yeah. next year, somebody's no. going to release. 2023 by the oh, end so of 2020 next two years oh so you're giving two you're a way out prediction i think it's gonna happen in 2023 i don't i don't think it's gonna happen like i'm not saying by the end of 2023 somebody i think in 2023 somebody's gonna do a fresh malt beer and i mean a prominent brewery that's 30,000 bar- uh, barrels or up a year 
So yeah, it's, it's going to have to be like I, said, I think that's going to be one of those things where it's going to have to be someone who either does their own uh, um, harvesting, germination, and roasting, or someone who's close to someone who does so. There's a lot of, of malt distributors in Texas. It's grown in Texas. We have a lot of options here. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little raw. Like I'm not gonna give myself two years. I'm gonna be a little bit more risky. I'm gonna say by the time this episode comes out, okay. By the time this episode comes out, it will be found out that cognac barrel aged beers combats Omicron, and it will eradicate it. And the stock for St. Arnold's French press cognac will go through. That's a very weird <laughs> and specific. It is. It is. I think there's a certain chemical makeup in the cognac that battles the common cold. Um, you can kind of feel your sinuses open while you drink this beer. Mm-hmm. If you let it sit and you put it on your nose, uh, it kind of opens everything up. There's a little bit of an alcohol burn there. It's burning away the COVID. Uh, I think that's really where it's, it's going to see. Uh, not only will it be the oldest craft brewery in Texas, it will be the first fermented vaccine producer. <laughs> as much as I want to agree with you, I have been surrounded by the Omicron variant all month long. Like, literally two people in my house have it. I test, like, pretty much every day. Still haven't gotten it. Uh, and I haven't had cognac all month. So maybe, just maybe, it's the beer. It's possible. It's possible. But I'm thinking maybe now you're going to be completely immune. Completely. Probably. Completely. Maybe the beer just keeps it at bay. And the cognac's like, fuck. <laughs> what do you think, Jacob? What's your Ooh, prediction? My prediction? I have a prediction that... Well, for next year, prediction is... Seltzers are going to... This will be the year that seltzers fade away. Thank goodness. Seltzers fade away? You know why? I don't think all... I don't think all seltzers, the, the big guys will still be there. White Claw is still going to be there. Truly is still going to be there. I'm sure Bud Light is still going to have a line. But the heartburn is still going to be there. Yeah. Uh, but the, <laughs> the rest of the seltzers, I think they're going to slowly start to fade away. And there won't be as much in the market. Um, and then I predict that you might see breweries or a brewery get involved into their cousins, if you will, whiskey. It sounds like some Alabama shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think I think that's the next step. We're already making the wart. All you gotta do is distill it and then barrel it. Yeah, but that's been a long time coming. Well, besides Rogue, an Eighth Wonder, which makes vodka and Saint Arnold. Soon, maybe. See, you see, he, he's playing safe bets. He's I remember insider information. I remember when that yeah. equipment was bought. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's been a long time. Okay, um, you know what? If, if we're playing all these bets here, I just want to yeah, let's, let's give me give me a 2022 here. I think by the end of 2022, okay. maybe it's wishful thinking. Maybe it's just a big ass hope. Okay, the revitalization of the West Coast hop. It has been long gone. I think I think we'll finally come back around. I think people are finally getting tired. Uh, yeah, I, I, oh, I, oh, yeah, I would, I would back that one. Yeah, I think and the I West think Coast IPAs and all that stuff is going to start coming back more. I think the hazies won't be as prevalent. Yeah, 
And I think you're right. I think they're they're going to start doing that. I don't mind if the hazies are still no, super I, prevalent, I, but I just want the revitalization wish, yeah. of you, West Coast. You've already seen that started. Like I think not West really. Coast, you don't think so? No. I think there's local breweries that are producing West Coast that are better than their hazies that people just aren't really into yet, but they're slowly picking up the pace on. I think I think it's just time. Like they've all but died. There's very few producers left. Mm-hmm. I say let's let's go ham. Let's bring it back. And I look forward just to having this episode next year and being like, yeah, that happened. Okay, so what's the prediction on what will replace seltzers for the low-cal, low-carb, conscious people of our uh, beer drinking community? Gross. I don't think anything, I don't think anything is going to replace it, but I do think I do see the next trend for non beer because that's all seltzers were. Right. They were targeting people like, hey, man, you don't want to drink beer. This is what you want. You know what I mean? Seltzers. And that's why seltzers got such such a big thing. Uh, After the summertime here in Texas, it started slowly dying. I think certain brands are going to die off. Um, No offense. I know. Cacti or whatever. Cacti is going to be died off probably in in a week or two. Like, it's going to be the first one to be gone. Topo Chico. I think Topo Chico is having a hard time. Sonic. You know, uh, that was a one-time deal, so they're not going to make that anymore. You know, so, like, I think they're all, a lot of these break, and I think the next step that is a non-beer that's going to end up being the biggest trend is, like, the ready-to-drink mixed, mixed drinks. I agree. I think that's already starting kind of going. So Texas I think that's laws really suck on that front. I don't think our laws allow that for it to be an easy thing because the only place you can buy it would, is a liquor store. Yeah, so and a lot of the distributors don't want to bring it in because they can only... Eighth Wonder patches, pouches that we had on the blind date. At the brewery. I, I took it home. That's what I'm saying is you buy it at the brewery. You don't oh, buy it at the liquor store. Yeah, so... Yeah, so that is the, the biggest, availability is not that's there. The, that's the biggest thing is... They got a mouthful of mic. <laughs> <laughs> And Tom, no, uh, <laughs> that uh, that's that, that that is the biggest thing, and and so that's that's the thing for brewers and a big decision for a lot of those kind of and distributors is how much can we sell through the grocery store? Grocery stores run America, so here it's HEB. Over in Florida, it was Publix. You know what I mean? Like they they pretty much make the decision on what beer survives, what beers don't in a market. Or what seltzers or whatever it may be, and that's the thing. Like like he was saying, like that's the thing. Like they're gonna be big, but it's kind of like uh, what's that? What's that one that everyone the seltzer that everyone likes, but you can't you only can get it at the liquor stores. But like Barstool Sports sponsor is it? Oh, you're talking about a uh, uh, Sun Fudge. It's a uh, but it's vodka based. It's not. Oh, it's so good. Oh, so it's more of a mixed drink. We drank it at the Top Golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why can't I remember the name? Uh, oh, high noon. High noon. Yes. High noons. So you can't. People go there, go to the go to the Seltzer and HEBs, and they're like, "Okay, where's it. it at?" And like, "Oh, we don't have that. You have to go to the liquor store for that." So that's going to be like people are going to have to go to the liquor stores for it. But there's already people jumping on board. I think Rogue's got a line going. Dogfish Head has a line going. That's I think going to be the next. I don't think it's going to be as big as the Seltzer boom, but that's going to be the next big trend. I love it. I, lo- I love the idea. I love the cocktails. I'd, I'd love to have more availability, but I really think cider is making a come up. And so obviously, okay. cider's been around a long time, but yeah. we're talking they're having full-on cider festivals. They're really pushing, but I think people are starting to realize how different ciders are, right? Because we look at cider as, okay, it's a one-trick pony. It's, it's sweet apple juice that gets yeah. you drunk. It's not. 
there's so much more depth to it. There's so much more you can do with it, especially when you start looking at people like Texas Keeper, where they're truly, truly a craft cidery, where they're taking wine techniques and beer techniques and, and different ingredients, and they're really using a lot of heritage. And like, There's some really cool stuff, but I think people are just now realizing that. And so when you talk about having the sweeter, more accessible ciders like Austin East Ciders, and Angry Chair and Angry Chairs, right? No, Angry Orchard. Angry Orchard. No, yeah, yeah Angry, Angry Chairs. Chairs yeah, <laughs> that's way different. different. That's different. <laughs> way different. Angry Orchard and Austin East Ciders and and all of the likes. Uh, Bishop's Cider is becoming big. You have that readily uh, readily available option for the average consumer that wants something sweeter, but you have very dry, very unique, very crafty items by people like like Texas Keeper and City Orchard and Fairweather and like there's just it's just ongoing but there's getting such a traffic for that that I think I'd hate to say replacement for seltzers but I definitely think it's going to end up being a competition it'd be like a revitalization of the cider really is more than yeah, I don't yet. know if cider was ever truly that big like don't get it's, me wrong it was commonplace it's to me like it wasn't big yeah yeah well I don't know it, it got big for quite a while and that's to me is like the and you speaking of like we talked about the trends and everything like that's just to me like it's one of the craziest things someone who's been in the business for so long like I remember ciders were like and at least in Florida they were really big we had events called go, Midnight Florida. Ciders Eve and stuff like that and uh, and then uh, before seltzers it was uh, like the, the alcoholic soda like oh, not your father! Yeah, the hard root beers, and they so made hard gross. orange sodas, and they made hard grape sodas, and made hard oh, Mountain Dews. <laughs> oh, what about yeah. that blueberry yeah. beer? Do you remember that one? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Grotesque. Don't yeah. get me wrong; I drank it. They all grotesque. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, and yeah. then oh yeah, yeah, Zima, Zima, and then uh, there's seltzers, and then there was pickle beers. So let's go back now, to let's now go we're back, back here. Beer. Yeah. I, I'm going to go ahead and rate this, and I told you on the last segment what I needed for the, to bump it up to a 4.0 was a barrel. Um, thank you. Uh, that doesn't. Like, I, I'm going to go 4.0 on this beer. Just the coffee in there, the, the just the, the knowledge that that roast is different to combine with the cognac barrel, just the effort that's put into that, makes this beer taste even better to me. Um, I love that cognac brandy flavor mm. uh, in that beer. It's something that I just want to let sit in my tongue. I, you're finished before I am. I just I just let it sit and savor it. Like it's it's a really really nice beer. 4.0 hot tub beer on New Year's Eve. Morning. So and I, I've because I've sampled all three together so a couple of times. And let me ask you this: Do you prefer one over the other? Are you a bourbon barrel over a cognac? Do you find them equal? I, you know, this is the first cognac barrel beer that I've had. Okay. And, you know, I had several bourbon barrel beers. Um, I don't know that one to me is better than the other, um, but I appreciate what this one is. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know what a cognac barrel imperial stout would taste like. Uh, it might be really good. It might be better than a bourbon barrel. But I don't know. I've only had bourbon barrel imperial stouts. Right. Uh, I think as as people experiment more and maybe they find that those flavors are fit, um, maybe a, you know, a dark chocolate roasted stout with aged in a cognac barrel might be really, really good. So, I mean, Brock Wagner, if you're listening, I just gave you an idea. <laughs> the, the, these are these are all possibilities. But for what this one is and the risk that we're taking to, to do it. Do you remember 
the bourbon barrel age French press. Would you prefer the French press bourbon barrel age over the cognac barrel age? Are they both kind of like I, I think right hand in hand? Both different experiences. Different experiences. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. I think yeah. both are phenomenal beers, but both are different experiences. Just because you're right, there's more oak, there's there's more vanilla, there's more more of a little burn on the yeah. bourbon than there is on the cognac. The cognac is more of those subdued fruit notes. Yeah. And there's a light burn. Um, it's it's just it is a different experience. I see I I'm the same way. I found them both to be very enjoyable. I found them to be equal. I uh, and then but when I sample people they're like either they're like, Oh I like the burn barrel better. Oh I like the cognac barrel and they'll pick one or the other, whereas I'm thinking they're both the same. They're both just kind yeah. of different. With a bourbon barrel, you get kind of a McConaughey. With the cognac, you get more of, like, the ladies' man, you know? Uh-huh. You know what I uh-huh. mean? <laughs> Go ahead with your query, Carla. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree. Like, oh. this one is, like, and I, this one's been aged for years, so you, you put... put one of the most underrated Yeah, for sure. Have. One actually, I have to go back and watch the movie every once in a while. It's like I forget how funny that movie was. Um, but no, uh, the cognac barrel and it's been aged for years, so it's really smooth. I think this one, this one might have been like a nice little night keeper. You know, you open yeah. your day up with a French press, kind of get that coffee in your system, mm-hmm. go out there and be productive in your life. Come back and you're like, oh, I feel like I've done a lot. I've cheated a lot today. Crack and open a, 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 a cognac barrel and just just sip on it. You just sip, sip, sip on, on it. Then you look your lady in the eyes. <laughs> you know the rest. <laughs> Tonight we're gonna do butt stuff. <laughs> uh, but I would, yeah, I would give this one. See, this one, the the bitterness from the coffee gets toned down. I think the yes. French press, the espresso one. Am I right? Do you guys get more more bitterness off of that one than yes. this one? This one, I get more of like almost like a this a sweet berry fruity type thing. So this one's a little bit more toned down. This one feels like. I put a little creamer in there, a little bit of sugar in there for me, because I can't do espressos, but I can do coffee. I can do a cappuccino, you know, or whatever stuff like that. So this one, I would say, is a little bit more elevated. I will give this one uh, a three nine five, three nine five. for sure. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Jake, you're last up. I. This is the last rate. So the last rate of twenty twenty one. I better make it horrible. Uh, <laughs> Three point nine one. Uh, it's good beer for sure. When you age beer, you're gonna get a little bit of this like kind of soury funk on it. Like you're not gonna get around that. You can try, but it's still gonna be there, whether how prevalent it is or not. Is kind of up to the process. With this one, I find it to be very pleasant. That kind of little bit of woody sourness in the background. I really really enjoy that. Um, I love cognac and brandy and Calvados. I love all of that stuff. I personally could do with more in this, but overall, I think it's very, very well balanced. Um, the coffee's great. Jacob's right. You get that little bit of berry, everything involved. Overall, it's a, it's a great beer. It came out fairly well carbonated. I like to twist and turn it until I can get every little flaw out of it so it's no longer cold or carbonated. But overall, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, nice. I'd recommend yeah. it. I'd so recommend. Guys, you heard it here first. Okay, uh, St. Arnold's, oldest brewery in the state of Texas. Talked about why. Talked about their perseverance. But we also made insights into 2021. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, 2022 and beyond. Right. So 
I want you to look back on this episode when fresh malt beers become a thing, seltzers die, and cognac kills the Omicron. That's right. Ooh. That's right. And don't forget, guys, Cowboys going Super Bowl. <laughs> Here we go, baby. Gross. <laughs> so, if you like what you're hearing, or if any of our predictions actually come true, <laughs> make sure that you are liking, subscribing, following us on Instagram. Go to any of the podcasters that you subscribe to, be it iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Anchor. Make sure that you're following us, uh, like us, rate us at a 4.0, or excuse me, 5.0 on the uh, Apple Podcast. There's also a link in our bio. You click on that. There's a link tree. There is a link there to make sure that you can keep the hot tub warm. You may donate for as little as 99 cents a month or as much as... $726.98. Exactly. A month. Please make sure that uh, you spread the word. Tell your friends, guys. And until next time, enjoy your hot tub beers. Cheers. Cheers. Noise.